If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. Well, yes. All right. So today, I'm not sure if you guys knew this, but it's Valentine's Day today. What? <laughs> right? I know, right? Uh, Valentine's Day is an interesting holiday, uh, especially for people in non-traditional relationships, mm-hmm. because we're not the ones who are marketed to by everybody, which I guess is like kind of a bummer to get left out. But in some ways, it's like kind of nice that it's like, you know what? Cool. You guys do your thing. We'll do our thing. We don't, we don't know how to sell to you, so we won't try to, you know... Yeah. Shovel right. our stuff in your faces. Right. Uh, but we did want to go over a quick little fun tr- trip down history lane. Uh, <laughs> for, those of you, for those of you who have read Dedeker's book, The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory, there's an amazing history section on the unwritten history of polyamory. And we're going to do the same thing right now, even though it has already been written down, about the history of Valentine's. <laughs> Take it away, Take it Dedeker. Away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, most people know that it's based off of St. Valentine, that it's a Catholic holiday, you know, the mm-hmm. Feast of St. Valentine, that they just kind of decided was going to be on February 14th. Um, so, Valentine, the Valentine in question, was a priest uh, who lived around the late 200s CE, or mm-hmm. AD, whatever it is you prefer, um, and he was martyred, um, so he was killed. And um, they're actually, they have his skull. Actually, there's a basilica in Rome where yeah. they have the skull of, supposedly the skull of St. Valentine, and they put like some nice flowers on it. Um, I pulled it up on Google Images, and it was like, ugh. Because um, <laughs> also somebody's like, somebody uh, hundreds of years ago like felt the need to make sure that you knew this was his skull and like they they slapped a label like on his forehead (laughs) that says saint valentine just like there we go now you know um so there's that Uh, to keep up with the weird tradition of keeping body parts of saints scattered throughout the world um but then i also learned that apparently there's like 10 other places Mm -hmm. that claim to have the head of saint valentine so either (laughs) somebody's not quite telling the truth or saint valentine was like the gorgon (laughs) he had 10 heads and had 10 heads each of them more beautiful than the last (laughs) Um, so the original story of saint valentine has been pieced together through the centuries with lots of hearsay and mm-hmm. the telephone game being played. But supposedly he was, um, uh, you know, he was operating as a Christian priest uh, when Roman society was still pagan and Christians were persecuted. Um, back in the early days when being Christian was still kind of hipster, um, <laughs> you know, when, when you were like, I was into Jesus before he got popular. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, and he was imprisoned for for being Christian. And as the story goes, that he through through some miracle, um, he was tutoring the daughter tutoring the daughter of the jailer, um, who was blind. And supposedly through the miracle of Christ's power, he mm-hmm. was able to cure her blindness. Um, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he miraculously cured her blindness. Unfortunately, that did nothing for him because he still got killed. Um, 
But supposedly where we get the tradition of sending valentines is that like, before he was killed, that he, he sent a letter to her, to the jailer's daughter. Um, I don't know what it said. It could have been like, bitch, like, get me out of this. <laughs> um, Probably. And so in theory, that's how we got the whole Valentine story. Um, but in researching this, what I think the most interesting thing is that it was actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the holiday was actually associated with romantic love. Um, I could go off on this for many, many hours, but our, our modern day notion of romantic love was based on courtly love, which didn't really come around until like the 14th, 13th, 14th century. Um, but that's a talk for another time. Um, and so for many hundreds of years, the feast of St. Valentine's was for other things. Like it was, um, in many agricultural communities, it was considered to be like the beginning of springtime. Like mm-hmm. that was when the plants started growing. Some places said that, that the Feast of St. Valentine's was when um, the birds would propose to each other. <laughs> their little bird <laughs> rings. So cute. Yeah, with their little birdie rings. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, I learned in some places there was like a Santa-esque figure called Jack Valentine that would come to the rear door of houses and would leave stuff like for the children, like mm-hmm. candy and presents, like very, very St. Nicholas-esque. Although apparently uh, he was also used to scare children at the same time, um, oh. that children were like kind of scared of Jack Valentine. So I don't know what was actually going on. I don't know if Jack Valentine was like a pedophile and the stories of the pedophile <laughs> just like blossomed and got out of control. But anyway, so this holiday that has so much attached to it and so much meaning and so much significance has actually had quite a long history of its meaning changing many times throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So now bringing us to modern day, yes. Valentine's gets some hate, right? <laughs> Is it... I imagine there's probably some people in this audience right here who have posted some hateful things about Valentine's Day. Does anybody day. Like, really not like Valentine's Day? I mean, I guess I mean, you're, you're out here, here celebrating, so maybe you, like you, you think it's okay semi-okay. But, <laughs> I know there yeah. have been times where I've been like, fuck Valentine's Day, yeah. right? Because you're sad, maybe you don't, maybe you're not with someone at the time. It's like, oh, Valentine's Day is just mm-hmm. this reminder of, of how alone I am. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, or, you know, or other people saying, oh, well, you know, I don't need some commercial holiday to make my relationships valid or mm-hmm. to, to, that I have to somehow prove to my partner that I care about them by buying stuff on this day. Mm-hmm. That there is this kind of, um, I don't know, like u- unique distaste for this holiday in a way that I don't think a lot of other holidays get. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of since the advent of social media is when I really noticed that like there's kind mm. of this collective joy on both ends of the spectrum, it's like pe- people either have this extreme joy in like, this is the day that I really get to mush it up on Facebook mm-hmm. uh-huh. and post all the mushy pictures of me yeah. and my significant other, or it's the day that I really get to soak into talking about this horrible capitalist holiday and how I'm going to be just at home eating ice cream and masturbi- masturbating and it's just going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, I, always, I honestly, I have always had some, what? some umbrage, take an umbrage mm-hmm. at um, people who post a lot of stuff like that. Because, um, I mean, my thinking is always like, um, you know, some people don't have moms on Mother's Day, but you don't go on Facebook and you're like, fuck Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible. True. <laughs> um, or same thing on Father's Day. You know, people don't have dads on mm-hmm. Father's Day. And so my thing is like, well, if you don't have someone that you're with in a relationship on Valentine's Day, you know, like either make it about something else or I, I just feel like there's not necessarily this need to be so reactive in, in expressing your displeasure mm-hmm. about a celebration of love. Mm-hmm. That, that's my soapbox. 
Yeah, and I think that that's something that is a valid complaint about Valentine's Day, which we're going to talk about today, and we're going to try to find some new ways of thinking about Valentine's Day, uh, is the sort of inherent couple-centrism in our society. And basically, we, we actually just talked about this a lot uh, mm-hmm. in our episode yesterday in Portland, um, but basically the, the short version is that our society is so much oriented around the couple as sort of the primary building block of society, that mm-hmm. a two-person couple is that. Meaning... You know, not only that that's kind of uh, held up as the ideal of what a family should look like, that somehow that number is the best for children, all these things like that. But aside from that, it's also if you're not in a couple, you must be less happy or you must be less fulfilled as a person or right. That's why we have, you know, some some somewhat derogatory terms for men and women who are single sometimes. And there's that whole concept of like, well, you better get on that if you don't want to die alone. There's this idea that the couple is the only way you can not be alone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? The only way you can be close to anybody is in this couple. couple. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to talk about that is kind of reclaiming Valentine's Day as a day to appreciate more than just having a couple relationship in your life. Yeah. I think that suddenly the pieces kind of fit together about, I think, why people sometimes have, can have such a negative reaction to Valentine's Day is because a lot of people are not in a relationship and are quite happy about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like some people are quite happily not necessarily coupled up with somebody, or maybe they just got out of a really terrible, unhealthy relationship and being single is the best thing they've experienced in years. And so then Valentine's day rolls around kind of holding up coupledom on this mm-hmm. pillar. And so I don't know if that's like people's kind of attempt to express like, no, I'm really happy. And you know, how is it that you're implying that, Um, if I don't have this thing that I must be really unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good time to reflect on not only your couple centric love or your multiple partner love, but also the love that you have for your family, for your friends, for whatever it is in your life and kind of reflect on that during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll definitely get more into that. So we wanted to kind of pose a question and talk about it and then bring it back to you guys. Right. So the question is (laughs) what makes a good poly partner. Mm -hmm. And I would argue, what makes a good any kind of relationship partner, Mm -hmm. whether it's a close friendship, or it's a romantic relationship, or Mm -hmm. a sexual relationship, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, Emily, you wanted to start with this Yeah, so we actually got, uh, in our Oakland show, somebody asked us, what is it that if you were to meet someone that would just kind of blow you off of your feet, um, what is it that you would look for in a partner and what would be really exciting about a person that you would just like meet? Specifically, she's asking, yeah. she's asking like, what's like one quality? One that- specific quality. And mm-hmm. we each had different things. I said flexibility. So just the flexibility of time of knowing that you never really know what's going to happen into a, in a relationship and that you can't just sort of put a box around it and expect it to go one way. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's really important to have flexibility in your relationships in any type, but especially, especially in your polyromantic relationships. Emily's also a huge acro yoga person. And so, so like, I really love flexibility. flexibility. <laughs> it, really, it really does matter. It, it really comes in for a variety of things. <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's so important for someone to, to be able to communicate. And I know that communication, we can talk ad nauseum about communication being the key to healthy relationships, which mm-hmm. it is. Um, but I think um, for me, it's specifically being able to trust that someone will communicate to me proactively 
what it is that they want versus, mm-hmm. you know, and also what it is that they don't want. Um, I've been in plenty of relationships where it's kind of like you just kind of, you wait until you piss each other off or you wait until you stumble um, and there's a negative reaction and then that's how you find out yeah. kind of what your boundaries are. It's like heading into the maze with a blindfold on yeah. um, that you kind of have to figure out based on what body part you've bruised, mm-hmm. um, which is really not a great way to do relationships. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's something that's extremely, extremely important. Like that's something that when I see that, I really, really um, am attracted to that. Yeah. And for me, it's an open-minded, or, you know, my answer to that question was an open-mindedness to challenge things in yourself. Mm-hmm. That there's not this sort of stubborn, like, well, I feel this right now, so that's what I'm going to feel forever, and that's the answer. If, you know, I'm never going to change. That to me, that someone who is open to being like, hey, these are the things I believe, and I've thought a lot about them, and I'm willing to challenge them, and potentially change my mind. I might mm-hmm. not, because I've thought about them a lot, but that sort of willingness to to change and have an open mind is something that I see as a really valuable trait in uh, you know in a partner or even in a friendship. Mm-hmm. And so now we wanted to put it to you guys. What are some things that are those just awesome traits of any kind of relationship uh, of a person in any kind of relationship in your life? It could be a short thing you shout out, or if you want to give us a longer explanation like we all did, uh, you're welcome to do that. I, I can't see anything. Yeah, so like, I can't see I anything. Yeah, so yeah. just feel free to shout it out. Yeah, what do you guys find to be like good qualities that that are you're attracted to in a partner? Consciousness. Consciousness. Mm. That's really nice. good. So kind Can of you like elaborate. Like mindfulness, being being aware of the world around you, which means communication and all of that. Yes. But, um, in monogamy, yeah. so much times we walk into our relationships unconscious, which is poof, we're in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Where I find that there's a lot more consciousness in the poly world and. That's probably the, one of the key things. That and a sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Sense of humor is a good one. That's a really, that's good, really good one. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that the, the consciousness thing is so interesting um, because something that I've always told people that they're often surprised by is I feel like um, with people who very consciously choose monogamy, I have a lot of respect for mm. Like a lot of respect for. Um, there, there's kind of sometimes this tendency to think that people who are not in monogamous relationships must see monogamy as inferior or less enlightened. Yeah, that's absolutely not the or case. Or impossible or whatever. But I feel like the thing is that we're in a culture. This isn't true of all cult- mm-hmm. cultures, but especially Western culture. We're in a culture that just kind of dumps you into monogamy as the default. Mm-hmm. As if and, there's no other choice. Yeah, yeah, there's no other choice. There's no other spectrum. And so and so that's the thing is a lot of people do go very unconsciously into relationships mm-hmm. not knowing if this is what's right for them or not. And so for somebody who maybe has explored their options or researched their options or whatever um, and has very consciously chosen like, you know what? this particular form of monogamy is what is going to make me happiest. Like that's freaking fantastic. Um, And I feel like that's something that as a whole, we should be, we should be really teaching to people very early on, Mm -hmm. but we don't have options. Anybody else? That was, that was great. Thank you for that. Curiosity. Oh, curiosity. Curiosity I'm curious to know more. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I've like realized just in trying to become a better communicator myself is when you find when you ask somebody about whatever it is they're passionate about, even if it's not something that I'd ever thought about or found interesting myself, when you get somebody talking about something that they're passionate about, they just light up. And when, when you really like practice active listening and whatever, you know, it's amazing. Like I can become fascinated by something that I had no interest in or no 
hadn't thought about even. Yeah. But like, and so when people show me that curiosity too, that, that just I love that kind of exchange. What are, What are you passionate about? <laughs> a lot of things. Can you get us fascinated? <laughs> I'm really like passionate about sorry. catching fish. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is right. place to do it. <laughs> I'm a commercial fisherman. So. Nice. So. Oh, yeah, nice. Just, yeah. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> what else? Positivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Positivity. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to. Being able to turn things around or like see something mm-hmm. in a different way, like you know, the biggest upsets don't have to like uproot your whole life. Like you can move forward. I like seeing that in people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that very much ties to you know, kind of the open mindedness and self awareness to be able to kind of examine your own emotional life. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah i mean as we know you know moods are very ephemeral and transient and they move and they change and they shift and so the idea of being able to at least acknowledge mm-hmm. when you're in a negative space like well, this won't last forever um, right, like the sun's not always shining but it's there it's yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's very good but, that's yeah. very good um, Some, yeah oh, i was gonna say i i agree with that i would put it under for myself the banner of perspective and kind of a sense of scale. Um, yeah, you know, I am still getting better at like not making mountains out of molehills. Yeah. And I respect somebody who has, you know, yes, the self awareness and the positivity and everything, you know, this is not the end of the world. In two hours, two weeks, two years, I won't even remember this. Um, I find that really refreshing because it shows a willingness to move forward and to, you know, to know that things change um, and that. How you feel now doesn't have to determine nearly as much of the future as you might you might almost want it to in those moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, this seems to be a recurring theme because that's something that we hit on in the Oakland show as well. Is this idea of having that perspective that your feelings are not permanent and your feelings aren't mm-hmm. facts, and even your thoughts are not always true. Yeah. Uh, Something that we've also been on lately on the subject of positivity is the idea of focusing on the things you want instead of the things that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Uh, That even just, this is something that I always like in discussion groups, we'll try to challenge people for this. If they'll say, you know, ah, like I'm really frustrated that there's, uh, you know, buy erasure in our poly community or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, okay, like, what would that look like as a positive? What is it that you do want instead of what is it that you don't want? I know that's like a little different than the type of positivity you're talking about, but I've also found that to be a subject that keeps coming up for us is that, Mm -hmm. that question of like, how can you think about what you do want instead of what you don't? Mm -hmm. It's also helpful. Can we get one more? Sense of self. Patience, sense of self. Okay. (laughs) I saw another hand too. Self advocacy. Yes. Um, Yeah. Jumping off of what you were saying, the ability to like, convey what you want and be like no this is what I want what I need at this point mm-hmm. and I need you to be able to at least be open to that if I can't if you can't provide it at least be open to me getting it elsewhere yeah yeah sure. yeah that's a really important one yeah it's funny i mean these are these are such amazing responses like yeah. so uh so very smart is what i find very thoughtful yeah i wish okay. these were things i don't know like it to me it feels like these are kind of lessons that you don't learn until you've had some fuck-ups under your belt <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're just talking about ourselves I, no yeah. that's that's how i've had to figure yeah. it yeah, out for um, sure. and i mean i i, I kind of wrote about this in the book is like what is you you know if you could paint a picture of what would it be like to come into your adult life having more relationship skills under your belt and more like emotional intelligence skills under your belt because like seriously when i was growing up like the only 
actual relationship education I got in school was like wear a condom yeah. um, <laughs> or, and, just or just or don't or just don't sex. or just don't have yeah. sex like that was it like we don't we talk get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people don't even get oh that. God. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. like we we still kind of have this sense that like relationships can be on autopilot. I mean, sure, yeah. we we teach people to be nice and to share your toys and to do all those things that you learn in kindergarten. But when it comes to romantic relationships, it's kind of like we wait until you become an adult and you need therapy and couples counseling, and then yeah. you can learn a bunch of lessons about relationships. Yeah, yeah. just a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. So okay. We wanted to talk about the fact that in polyamory, every partner doesn't need to be everything to you. That's a really amazing part of it for me. Like, I get very different parts of myself through different partners. I can be one way with one person. I can be another way with someone else. Um, And for me, I mean, I fill my life to the brim. I have three jobs. I'm in a musical right now. I do this, which is another full-time job. (laughs) And so I don't have a lot of time to devote to a lot of people, at at least at this point in my life. And if I was in a monogamous relationship, that would probably be a deal breaker for a lot of people. But instead, I'm able to, you know, maybe see someone once a week or maybe every other week and still kind of pick up where I left off with them. And you can still create these really meaningful relationships, even though your time may not be there at all times or even though someone... I don't know, may not love video games as much as you do, but you can do something else with them. You can go fishing. (laughs) So, yeah, that's something to me that I really love about being polyamorous Mm -hmm. is that your relationships can look however you want them to. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, all those qualities that we talked about that they can kind of be distributed in a slightly different way that we don't necessarily have to have someone who checks all the boxes. Of course you can have, I think you can have your foundation of like, these are things that I expect in every relationship. Of course. Um, but then kind of beyond your, your foundation that then it can really be all over the place, yeah. which is actually pretty exciting. Yeah, it's lovely. yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah, there's certain things like standards for the type of communication and for the way they handle conflict and things like mm-hmm. that, that it's like, yes, I would expect this in all of my relationships yeah, those or are I wouldn't want to be in things. it. But it's like Emily was saying, it's more those specifics of yeah. whether it's just the amount of time that you have or, um, you know, or distance, for example, like long distance yeah. relationships. Mm-hmm. Has anyone here had a long distance relationship? I, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Lots, lots of hands. Uh, have you ever had a long distance relationship while you're monogamous? How was that experience? <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, and that's a case where, you know, for Dedeker and myself, for the past year and a half, we've spent maybe like three of those months in the same geographic location, mm-hmm. right? And if that's kind of the only cuddling and touching and kissing that we got, like, that would be really hard. There are people that do it, and, you know, I, I commend them for that, I guess. Uh, but it is. <laughs> I'm really committed to that. I guess. Uh, right, but that, but that polyamory, when you don't need every single relationship to fill every need, whether it's a physical need or you know just a time need or a raising children need or whatever it is, that it allows some relationships to exist and to be fulfilling that might not be able to. You just might not be able to have that at all if yeah. it were a monogamous relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I know that definitely the time thing has mm-hmm. been something. For a while, I was dating a guy. Um, this was after you know this was post monogamy. Um, that I was dating a guy who we decided to call Alejandro, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
Uh, but basically, he worked this crazy, crazy job where he was working like 60 hours a week, and we could only and see each other from the hours of like 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Like, that was the only time that he was available. And, you know, if I was monogamous and kind of seeking, you know, that life partner, that person who's definitely going to be everything to me at all times, it would not have worked at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, or you could have tried to force it and probably made both of us really, really unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but us both being able to kind of seek different needs from different people meant that I could still have this awesome relationship with with. Alejandro. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could still have this great, really satisfying relationship with him yeah. because he didn't have to be that. Um, <laughs> something that we often get uh, is, you know, people hear like, oh, like you've got three partners, like I can't even handle one. Like yeah, that's man. ridiculous. And it's because, of course, if you, if you think of, you know, the traditional monogamous sense of like, this is the person who gets 100% of my free time. And you kind of hop to, well, multiply that by three. Well, that's freaking intense. And I agree. I would not want that at all. (laughs) Um, And so it's just like a little bit of a different approach. And for me, I found it really satisfying because of the fact that it allows me to say yes to more people. As in like say yes to more experiences, you know, kind of seeing like, well, what would it be like to have this person in my life? Um, Mm -hmm. Even though maybe it doesn't fit perfectly, but what would it be like? And these are the experiences that help me continue to expand myself as a person that Absolutely. I learn and I grow and have amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example of this has to do with sex. That's right. I said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has to do with sex. I'm surprised we made it this far. Right. Right. Saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not normally how it goes. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, so the, the nasty skull with flowers wasn't doing it for you? <laughs> right. <laughs> For example, I have a a relationship in my life where we've been together for like three and a half years, um, and we almost never have sex. Like, our our relationship is essentially functionally asexual. Uh, And interestingly, neither of us identify as being asexual ourselves. There's just something about that relationship where sex is not really a fundamental part of it. And that's something, again, in monogamy that would be really frustrating. That would be like, okay, like I, I have some needs and for some reason we just don't have that part of our chemistry. I'm so sad that I have to give up all these other great things that we have, the conversations that we have, the stuff that we like to do together, the amount of caring and intimacy and this unique perspective we have on each other's lives. I'd have to give all that up because I wouldn't want to live the rest of my life without sex. Uh, right? That that's another example of a relationship that I get to have and that I value very highly uh, that polyamory allows me to have. Yeah. And uh, one type of relationship we wanted to talk about, none of us are parents, obviously, um, uh, but I did grow up with a single parent, and I know eventually, after a time, my mother decided that she really just wanted to parent me alone. Um, and that's something that kind of polyamory offers, is that you can be a single parent or... You can be a couple parent and you can decide to parent with multiple people or parent just by yourself and still pursue relationships outside of that. Um, I know for a long time my mother wanted to try to find me a father and so she would date with that intention. Um, And it wasn't until much further along I kind of sat her down and said, look, like, 
we're good. You and I. That's all that I need. And you said you were like 10? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, listen, we don't need to be doing this anymore. And it was great. um, Because she she finally realized that she didn't really want a relationship. She had been doing it for a long time. And it, it broken up two marriages. You know, I was born out of an affair. And she just kind of was like, I have other relationships in my life that are important to me, and I don't need to find a romantic one. And it's so interesting. We um, actually, last night at our Portland show, we met a mom, yeah. a mother of three, who yeah, identifies as solo poly. Like, she, she doesn't necessarily want to couple with someone. She's not necessarily looking for a father, you know, a new father for her kids or anything like that. She has a very healthy co-parenting relationship with the father of her children. Um, and you know, she shared about how difficult it is, especially as a woman, because yeah. everyone's expecting, like, well, if you're dating, you're dating for that purpose of finding a, a, a parent, yeah, a or parent. finding a dad or a mom or whoever yeah. it is. Um, and yeah, and so it is so interesting that we don't, um, again, coming back to that kind of all importance of the dyad, mm-hmm. both for relationships and for parenting as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that really helps us change the way that we look at relationships filling needs in our lives versus relationships adding value to our lives and not needing to to fill something that we're missing necessarily. Yeah, and to go off of that, I mean, it, for first dates for me, they're so much easier than they used to be. Because at one point, like, I was dating people to potentially find a mate. And when I was monogamous, that was kind of the end goal. And now when I go on dates, that's sort of out of the picture. I just can kind of see people for who they are and get to know them as they are instead of being like, well, you're on an audition right now. And like, (laughs) I hope you pass the test, but maybe you won't. And then, you know, I've got to do this all over again. And it's allowed me to kind of find these really incredible people and incredible relationships that I would have probably overlooked otherwise. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, like, there's a reason why dating has this stigma of being really stressful. Because it really really is. is. When you look at it from that perspective. You know, especially if it is really, um, you know, I'm dating to find the person I'm going to marry. I'm dating to find the person I'm going to have kids with. That it really does become like this high-pressure audition. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I don't know. It's just like this game we play, right? Where we just put all this pressure on each other. And... I think it's it's this subtle thing because it's not quite the same as just like not having any standards, you know? So it's not like going on first dates and just like not giving a shit, you know, what the person says or does. For me, it's kind of opened up this idea. um, So in uh, The Ethical Slut, which for a long time was considered like the the Bible of polyamory and non-traditional relationships... Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the new one right here. It is actually It's that good uh, Well they wrote a passage <laughs> that, um, There's this beautiful Beautiful passage in the ethical slut Called clean love And it's about this idea of Letting go of expectations in relationships um, The idea that If you can just kind of stop and like let go of your attachments to your expectations and just see the person who's in front of you and just take the love that's there. Um, and as long as that's making you happy, like that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, you know, we get so scared of like, what if it doesn't work out? What if this person is just as much as an asshole as the last one? Like, what if they do this? What if they do that? What if they don't respect me? Um, and this idea that like, you know, you kind of go into it and if they don't, like what you've you know what you've lost hopefully if you're able to maintain your own boundaries um you know you've lost a little bit of time you know maybe you've lost a little bit of a fantasy 
but then you know you're free to go on to the next and like i i just that idea that idea of clean love of like loving without expectations um has been so inspiring for me in my relationships yeah. and particularly ever since you know i i became non-monogamous yeah mm-hmm. um we wanted to talk about specifics so um something that we were hoping to get out of tonight is to kind of look at your relationships and specifically find the things that really make them each unique. You know, we've been talking about these broad concepts of what is it that are you know good qualities to have in a partner, what are the good qualities that we might seek in a partner, but we really wanted to kind of highlight the focus of these specific things mm-hmm. that you have in your life already, these specific things that you have in your relationships already. Um, I think that for me, it can be very, very easy to, um, to really attach to the things that are going wrong in my relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as long as they're not like deal breaker things, mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole different story. But I can really attach to like, oh, we're having all these misunderstandings or oh, we keep arguing about this little stupid thing mm-hmm. without really stopping to realize like, wow, like there's so much that I have in this person. Like there's so much that I'm getting from this relationship. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of had to be this like focusing on the, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a weird uh, approach to it, but. Focusing on um, the negative space of, well, what are all the problems that I don't have (laughs) in this relationship? (laughs) Um, You know, for me specifically, so right now, um, one of my partners is Turkish, and he lives in Istanbul, and I, I spent part of the year living with him there. And one of the big challenges in that relationship is the language barrier. You know, I mean, he speaks fluent English, but when it comes to talking about high concept things and the kind of conversations that you have in relationships when you talk about things like expectations and vulnerabilities and communication, that those are things that really do get lost in different languages and in different ways, different ways that cultures communicate. And so that's been the source of like a lot of frustration in that particular relationship um, is that... I just, I don't know, I'm speaking as an American and he's speaking as a Turkish person and I can tell you those cultures communicate very, very differently. And so while my mind gets really attached to that, I realize that I completely forgot like, oh, hey, like this is a person who has grown up in an extremely conservative, you know, religious Muslim culture, a very anti-poly culture, a very sex negative culture. And when it's come to polyamory, he's been like a freaking champion, like a champion, you know, like when I think about all the typical problems that people who are new to non-monogamy have, like the jealousy and the extreme insecurity and the extreme controlling, like there's been virtually none of that. And so just kind of looking in that arena of like, well, what are the problems I don't have really opened me up to like, oh my God, like there's so many specific things that I do get out of this relationship. It's kind of that concept of perspective that you guys are talking about with positivity and perspective of not, you know, you, you can always find negative stuff in anything if you're looking hard enough. Right. But changing that perspective to be like, Hey, you know what? Actually, a lot of this is really good. As long as you have your boundaries clearly set for yourself. So Mm -hmm. you're not allowing yourself to slip into a relationship that's unhealthy or that's really, Mm -hmm. truly, you know, really, truly not meeting your needs or, or making you unhappy. That within that, appreciating, like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of really awesome things about this relationship. I don't need to focus on just these couple things that are hard right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah. you can listen to the previous, you know, hundreds of uh, hundred something episodes of ours <laughs> for techniques for fixing that. Uh, but <laughs> right, but that you don't need to to dwell on it so much. Mm-hmm. So, 
what we wanted to get to was this idea that in addition to having these kind of generally good traits in your relationships, that each relationship with every, every person is unique and that there are things that you get from being with that person that you can't ever get from anybody else and that they're not always the things you expect going in. It's not like they're checking boxes, right? I've got like 10 different things I need fulfilling, but just those unique things you never knew that that the two of you were going to like share this amazing sudoku addiction. Yeah, did you that I was actually thinking of a relationship I had from like around that time. That was wow. a sudoku yeah. addiction. No, really? we, we oh were God. like got so into sudoku together. Aww. Yeah. That's so quasi romantic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll do you one better. Let me talk about you for a second. Uh, (laughs) So there's this really funny dynamic that I have with Jace in that we've been romantic partners for three and a half-ish, almost four years now. Um, We've been doing the podcast together for two and a half-ish years. So we've got kind of this one track of being romantic partners and one track of being kind of business and creative partners. Um, And something that I absolutely love about this relationship is this is probably the one relationship in my life, in my entire life, that I've felt the most like we're consistently on the same team for most of the time. There is this kind of funny thing that happens is that honestly in our romantic track, um, we haven't had a fight in like over a year, like an actual like fight, you know, uh, getting really emotional, getting really angry at each other in like a year. In our business track, we fight all the freaking time. Um, I can, uh, like they can attest. Yeah, like I they can definitely can attest. attest to that. To that. <laughs> yeah. And so, like we were wondering about that before the show. Is like, is that our outlet? Is that as business partners we can be mean to each other? Uh-huh. <laughs> They're healthy discussions, but you do get a little snippy. Get super snippy with each other yeah. because then, as soon as as soon as like our multi amory meeting is over, we're like, then it's hey, all just love and yeah. yeah right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we were wondering, like, maybe maybe we need that, outlet. that outlet for it. Yeah, 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 well, we would yeah, need yeah. that yeah, to fight. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Fortunately, I mean, I think a lot of people do suggest that you um, don't necessarily go into business with your partner. Um, yeah, we're generally considered a bad idea. Yeah, I know. I think we're kind of, like, right <laughs> on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's good to have Emily and Paul around yeah. uh, to keep us from killing each other. That's but. true. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I have one. I... The, you guys, if you listen to episode, I think it was 103, yeah. um, my partner Tate was on there um, on the episode about gender nonconformity. And they're super amazing, and they've been in a lot of relationships with female-bodied people, and I still am learning about that. Um, and something that's interesting that is that with them, I kind of become softer as an individual. With a lot of men, Like I, I sort of am like trying to... I don't know what it is, like, be a little bit more intense or more rowdy, or I don't even know, like, swear more with them, which is something I just tend to do. Um, But with Tate, like, I get this really, like, soft kind of feminine side of myself, and I get to do that with them, and it's really, really wonderful. I allow them to kind of take the reins and, like, allow me to sort of be the soft person. Um, And then with my partner who I live with, Josh... He and I are very different in the way in which we communicate. He's very much like an intellectual thinker. He's very much a chewer. And I am a spewer and very emotional. And it it just kind of clashes all the time. Um, But I I realize like 
he has challenged me to grow in a way that nobody else has because with with Jason, even with Dedeker, like we are very it's very easy for us to communicate and to be on the same page and to always know what the other person is talking about. And with Josh, like I'll say something and I'll be like, I don't think you understood what just happened there and vice versa. Yeah, but at least both of you speak English. We, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a little bit different. But yeah, but, it, but it's, it's caused me to actually have to like go back and think about, okay, how do I communicate and what am I getting across to this person? And it really helped me grow in that way and kind of change and, and move forward. And I think that we're getting finally to a place where we can communicate effectively. And that's been really important in my life. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. An example that I wanted to give uh, is with my partner, Brooke, who was on the show way, way back in the early days. Uh, For those of you who've listened to all of it, you might remember her. But we kind of bonded right away over this interest in physicality, in, you know, fitness, and just sort of general physical health. And just recently, we've really bonded over this idea of the the kind of uh like importance for your mental health in getting hurt uh both physically and also emotionally 
that that this is something this concept she introduced me to that uh, is a concept in child rearing actually that's this idea that if you never let your children get hurt because everything's all foamed over that they'll never learn their own physical boundaries mm-hmm. uh, and they'll be more likely to hurt themselves more seriously in their adult life uh, and then we've also taken this and applied it to your emotional life that if you're so sheltered from ever getting turned down or ever told that you're you know that something's not good or getting a criticism you don't know how to handle that and you might end up you know spraining your emotional self (laughs) spraining your emotional ankle (laughs) right (laughs) much worse later on because you never learned sort of how to how to how to work on that how to be able to handle an injury uh but anyway in just the pure physical sense the fact that she and i recently went uh roller skating for a date uh and she she did have a fall at one point and got hurt and you know kind of rolled out of it and she was like oh man that that's gonna hurt and I was like you did it you got hurt that was amazing <laughs> good job she's she like oh my god you're right I did this is amazing <laughs> right and that's not something I've ever experienced with another yeah, partner it's just, just sure. like true sheer excitement in challenging ourselves physically being willing to get hurt like that uh, is something that I never would have expected to find in a partner and that I love yeah yeah Okay, I want to move on to romantic phrases. Let's do it. Is that yeah, good? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, Valentine's Day. So again, thinking about this idea of being specific, what Valentine's Day, and just in general the romantic language that we hear in, in a lot of our films and our books and plays and stuff like that, is the exact opposite of being specific. Like if you think about a lot of the classic romantic phrases out there you know it's things like I only have eyes for you or you're my everything or you complete me I love you with all my heart right I love you with all my heart right Um, it's like you love me with your blood pumping muscles (laughs) (laughs) but it's all kind of centered around this idea of of like if you were to break it down and look at it super logically one partner is like well you know why do you love me? And it's like, oh, well, because I don't look at anybody else. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, what is it that's special about me? It's, oh, well, you're special because you're, you're the only yeah, one. because you're the only one. You're the only one I'm with, so that's why you're special. That's, and that's, I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of romantic phrasing that's based on that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of romantic songs that are based on that. that like, Just nothing other than the fact that Yeah, the, the reason you're one. special is because you're the only one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the most specific compliment I can give you. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I found that that within the polyamorous world, there are people who like there are some people who will complain about the fact that they think polyamory makes things less romantic, especially if you're not uh, prescribing to a strict hierarchy or you don't have this primary partner that you get to say those sorts of things to. And they're like, oh, well, like I lose all that romance. I wish I miss being able to say those romantic things to a partner and having that kind of experience, I guess. Uh, and my challenge to that and something that I've is, is actually kind of hard to reprogram yourself to do is to say, no, 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 you can actually be so much more romantic mm-hmm. when you get specific, when you give someone that compliment of I'm so in love with you because of these specific things that you bring out in me or because of this experience that we've gotten to have together that I never would have imagined having with somebody else. Uh, and that this is true not only, again, not only of your romantic relationships, but also your friendships or even your family members. It's like, right, I don't love you because you're my brother. 
Is that going? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That might be part of it, but, you know. Because you're my only brother. <laughs> Which is also, also not, not true. true. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I love specifically these things that you have, that we can have these sorts of conversations and that we can, uh, I'm going to use you as an example, Josh, uh, is that we can get on the phone with each other and be, like, so painfully awkward that everyone else is like, God, are you and your brother not close? I was like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, that's just what we like to do. We like to embrace this like, hey, bromanski, like, how's it going? But that's kind of like our sort of banter that we have oh in our conversations. And being able to have that with someone uh, is a really cool, unique thing. Uh, and that that's all, you know, like that, those sorts of things. And then it's not the same every time, Right. That we get to always look for what are those unique things about this person? Mm-hmm. What do I have with this person? Uh, and anyway, so that's kind of the topic for the rest of this I episode think, here. I think that I would argue with the, you know, I don't think it necessarily has to be different every time. Well, like, sure. I think there actually is something but to, just that it can be. to reiterating mm-hmm. with your partner these very specific things that keep you... I was going to say, keep you coming back, like you're, as though you're running <laughs> <laughs> To be so general yeah. in the speech, and, and to kind of get to know your partners and your friends or whomever, and it, try to figure out like what kind of words of appreciation they really appreciate. And something, something to think about with the specificity, that actually yeah. this kind of comes down to gender lines. I know on this podcast we love bringing things back to gender. Um, that something that men talk about a lot is they pretty much never get specific compliments on their appearance mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. That's very v- true. Very, very rarely, you know, maybe someone will say that, you know, you are attractive or that you're good looking or that you're hot or that you're sexy, but women are much more likely to get very specific compliments either about the way they're dressed or about their hair looks or about yeah. certain body parts or about the way they move or their eyes. Or, or yeah. Their yeah. Skin. All that right. crap. And, um, <laughs> like, geez, your facial hair is so attractive today. Oh, I, I, I grew it out a little for Seattle. Oh. <laughs> You're fitting in quite nicely. Well, done. well, I heard some men in the audience do some grunting of approval. Like, have you found that to be the case that you yeah. don't? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually a very good point. Yeah. What kind of what kind of what kind of compliments do you tend to get as men, specific or non-specific? None. <laughs> do you? I mean, you get a lot of compliments of like. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate how nice you are to me. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like a no, no, no. back on them again compliment. Kind of. <laughs> like, but I, I'd say we get complimented on like our actions or our behavior. Yeah. Like I tend to get a lot of comments from from specifically from women that I know being like, you know, something came up the other day and I just wanted to say like, thank you that you're always so respectful about consent or something mm-hmm. like that, for example. Uh, yeah. Going off of that, it seems like most of the compliments that men get, at least in my experience, are comparing you to other men. Like, uh, yes, uh, thank you. You are better than the rest. Your <laughs> <laughs> behavior, sense of humor. Right. But it's oh, not baby. like a, yes, you are doing something good. It's more of you are not doing something bad. That's interesting. No, that's really interesting. No, that's totally true. I mean, I know I've definitely given compliments like that. (laughs) I'm sure I have too. Jeez. Mm -hmm. 
I wonder why that is. I mean, it, I don't know. Because sometimes going through the world as women, we don't get good things from men. We get. Well, told, I mean, like, I think that's a fairly universal human sure. experience. Well, no, I mean, yeah. of course, but I don't know. I guess uh, for whatever reason, it's interesting that women will tend to say, "Hey, like." Thank you for not being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I have totally given those compliments, and it's pretty much what you're saying. I'm like, I want to reinforce this behavior. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, like, all of their moms. Yeah. But Jeez, yeah. I'm just like, here's the thing I can do as a human being to another human being to encourage this person to, like, keep it up yeah and, and good behavior maybe it is condescending i don't know but like you said i'm like maybe you deserve to be condescended to a little bit <laughs> salty on this on this subject, yeah. actually, I, I was I was at a sorry we'll get I didn't see it. Uh, sorry, uh, I was at a, a party a while ago where we were playing this sort of like weird variation on the game Never Have I Ever. Um, where it wasn't about like, oh, never have I ever done this thing, and then anyone who has like puts a finger down or takes a drink or like those variations of the game. If you haven't played it, go look it up. It's great. Go go uh, to, go to college. Go to college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what this was was specifically you would write down something that you you haven't done but that you would really like to, and then you would give it to other people there, and then they could, or, you know, you would choose someone to give it to, uh, and they would mark down like. Hell yes. Like, I don't know, let me think about that. Or no, thank you, I'm not interested. Uh, And it was this way of kind of challenging yourself to think about those things. And some of them were kind of sexy things. But, well, a lot of them were kind of sexy things. But (laughs) what was interesting is that I was kind of in a weird emotional space at the time. And what I wrote down on mine was specifically, like, I would like to have more than one female person compliment me on my physical appearance, like on physical qualities of myself. Mm-hmm. And I did this, and then another guy saw that and was like, oh my God, like, I, I want to do that one too. Is, that, is it cool if I steal your idea? It's like, yeah, absolutely. And his, his, his reaction was my favorite. That afterward, you know, that it, we did this thing where like you blindfolded them and then, and then people would like whisper in your ears like stuff that they appreciated about you physically. That's how we did the little game. And after this was done, it was like five minutes or something. And, you know, he's he just kind of sitting there afterward. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have to go home and cry about that for a while. <laughs> and it was just oh my that God. Like, level of profound experience because wow. it's not something you get very much. Well, we're, we're set up kind of with this dynamic where women are there to be observed mm-hmm. and men are the observers. And right. it's you know, we all kind of fall into those roles, whether we want to or not, you know, uh, consciously or unconsciously. Um, And so, so yeah, so it's that. So I think that, you know, for a lot of women that I've talked to, sometimes it doesn't even occur to them that their male partner would want to hear specific compliments about his appearance. Mm -hmm. Because normally... she's used to getting it all the time. Yeah, she's used to getting it all the time. You know, maybe she'll compliment him on other things. But I know Mm -hmm. for me that that's been something that within the past year specifically has come up a lot with my male partners talking about that, um, that I've had to retrain myself to go more in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We had one more up here, yeah. I was just saying, um, coming um, coming out of a monogamous relationship, Mm -hmm. but I wear my hair differently slightly. Okay. I wear Uh my hair differently. I've received several comments about my hair, and 
My wife has given me comments about my behind, so. <laughs> you're, you're saying that as a, as a good so thing, it's like right? Yes. You change one thing and then everything is just yeah, becomes sexy. So actually, this is a perfect segue into. Um, I'm not going to delve into the whole topic, um, but this idea of love languages, you know, this concept that's been around for many, many years, um, that was put out by Dr. Gary Chapman. Um, God, Dr. Gary. God, Dr. Chapman. Gary Chapman, oh, as we call him on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Because the book, The Five Love Languages, is a very Christian book, and usually Christians don't jive with these three chuckleheads. But, um, but still, the concept, of, the concept of love languages is very important, and it's this idea that you, know, you have a certain natural preference for the way in which you like to express love and affection, and as well as receive it. Um, you know, the five that he gives are um, uh, gifts. Yeah, giving, giving and receiving gifts. Oh, gosh, it is my test. Okay, um... Uh, words of affirmation, so verbal expressions, um, physical touch that is non-sexual, um, acts of qual- service, yeah, acts of service, yeah. and quality time. Yeah. Um, well done. And so, thank you. You passed. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, of course, as human beings, chances are we all want some of each of those five. But generally, you're going to lean in one direction or the other, or maybe you know two of them will be very important to you. And so, just having awareness around that is. Um, can really open up a lot of things in your relationships, yeah. you know? So specifically, you know, if you have a partner who really, really gravitates towards words of affirmations, then those specific compliments will really, really go the extra yeah. mile. Mm-hmm. Um, versus if you have someone who's really drawn towards acts of service, that then it may be, you know, giving those specific compliments, but also following it up with some kind of actual action, you know, yeah. doing something for them, you know, or doing the dishes or whatever. Yeah. Or, as Emily, yeah, do you want to point out the thing about also just appreciating those? No, exactly. I mean, in my Josh, um, he loves doing the dishes and cleaning the house and being the house husband. And, like, I'll come home to a meal, which is really lovely. But then he'll be like, did you see? I made you a meal. (laughs) And he'll be like, I did the dishes today. And I was like, okay, okay, yes, you, thank you so much. Like, it... It's sometimes I have to be reminded because I'll do those things and not expect anything out of it, but he really, it really feels good to him to be appreciated for those things. Because that's so, how he shows love. Exactly, so, exactly. So, because that's his love language. Yeah. So, yeah. you have to do the work on the other end to be like, okay, I know what this is and I'm yeah. going to appreciate it. Yeah. So, in thinking about, you know, as you're crafting mm-hmm. these very specific, um, meaningful, expressions of appreciation or acknowledgement to give to your partner or to your partners. Um, I find that this is actually a really fantastic technique for coping with jealousy. Um, yeah. And jealousy is something that everybody asks you about, you know, when you're, when you're polyamorous. Yeah. is like, how do you deal with jealousy? What do you happen to get jealousy? Like, you know, it's the number one question easily. And there's many, many different ways of approaching it and thinking about it and deconstructing it. Um, a technique that I really enjoy going to is, um, I call it the pay it forward technique. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when you're having a moment of jealousy or if you're feeling lonely or if you're feeling unloved or if you're feeling needy, that, you know, instead of just sitting and pouting about it or instead of, you know, bothering your partner, um, you know, giving your partner a hard time about it, that you find someone in your life to express this kind of acknowledgement to. Um, and it could be your partner, you know, or that the particular partner where you're feeling like the most jealous about or the, the most insecure about. Um, and, you know, usually it's, you know, just like send a text message to somebody just expressing like, 
the specific compliment of, you know what, like the other day you did this thing and you helped me out and I so appreciate mm-hmm. that you did that and I so appreciate our relationship or our friendship or whatever it is. And kind of giving that to that person without expecting anything back, yeah. you know, just to give it. And for me, I found for me, I found that that is the technique that has taken me the fastest from jealousy to feeling pretty good. Actually, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's the fastest turnaround. It doesn't work for everybody, but mm-hmm. for me, that's what's been amazing. Yeah, um, get yourself out of that mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I feel like that can be directed at anybody when you're having those moments. But if you do choose to direct it back to you know the partner or to the particular relationship where you're feeling a little dodgy, it can be so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, so powerful, especially if you really can do it, you know, without expecting like, well, this means that then my partner's going to solve my problem or whatever, but just to give yeah, um, yeah. is, yeah, very effective. Really yeah. Um, so we know that many of you are here with your significant others or your partners or what have you, or even people in your friends. life. Yeah, <laughs> people in your life that you love. And we wanted to give you the opportunity to share something that you appreciate about them that's specific. Uh, so if, again, if, the lights can come up and if anyone wants to share <laughs> uh, yeah. and let me just say one thing first yeah. uh is that this is a podcast it is being recorded if there are names maybe you leave them out mm-hmm. or you make up a fake name which we love doing for people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, unless you know for sure that they would be okay with that but just yeah. just keep that in mind uh mm-hmm. when you're sharing and if you are being shy we can we can start the train rolling mm-hmm. does anyone have some specific appreciation <laughs> they'd like to share See, the longer you sit there, the more awkward it's going to be if you're with your significant other. Because they're going to think that you don't have anything to share. So, we'll wait. Yes. about my partner is from the first time we met is your enthusiasm. is boundless enthusiasm. And that was a new experience for me to find someone. So, that made it valuable. Thank you. So I appreciate I appreciate my partner very very much, but I also appreciate that I can hang out with his wife and have an amazing time when the three of us like work well together. And I really I'm solo poly and I love having this relationship with the two of these people that it's gonna be so powerful. So I, I really appreciate her and that she shares. <laughs> yeah, appreciation for metamorphs is, yeah. is awesome. Yeah. This, is not, this is not limited to partners, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friends, family members, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to awkwardly not appreciate the one I'm here with. I love you, Will. But uh, one, of the thing, one of the things I've really valued about a polyamorous relationship I'm in, um, my partner, uh, I'm in a long-distance relationship. He's, I'm secondary to him, and he's a little older than me. And it's interesting, like, he gives me a lot of life advice, and there's a little bit of that, like, um, yeah, mentorship dynamic. I end up having a lot of the same conversations with him that I have with my dad that I don't think would work if it were a nesting relationship, that sort of, like, power of, like, feel like he has his shit together more than I do. (laughs) But it works. I value it so much because I'm doing my own thing and ultimately he has to respect that but at the same time I can come back to him and I'm like I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing and he just believes in me <laughs> and is able to sort of guide me that's, that's yeah, great that's yeah. really valuable yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's a very unique relationship yeah. too yeah. that's yeah. awesome definitely yes, yes. Yeah. 
she pushes me to grow. <laughs> I, uh, mm-hmm. I take pride in the fact that I can grow emotionally on my own, but I can't do it nearly as fast as she helps me do it. <laughs> so. yeah. I love that phrasing of it, too. Yeah. That it's not that she does something you couldn't do on your own, but she improves it and, and yeah. helps make it better. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, wait, there's two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two of you. There's two. A few of you. Um, oh. I have been questioning a lot of things, and since November and stuff like that, I've been going through the journey, and it's like, your podcast has been bred, bread of life, probably the two of you will think we'll get this correctly, we'll get it really well, but it's been, just having you as a resource, and just listening to you guys, and you challenging quite a bit, and it's it's been awesome, just fresh of fresh air and just like realizing that yeah things may be crappy a bit but it's not all crappy the sky is not falling (laughs) (laughs) that you're normal it's okay and it's okay to think differently and I really really appreciate you and thank you for coming to Seattle oh sure I wasn't expecting that I actually blushed a little bit. Um, who, who else? I saw another hand. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right here. Yeah. yeah. So I've never met someone who is more willing to like think about the way they think about things, and like we've been spoon fed so much since birth. I've never met someone who's willing to say like, "Oh my gosh, you're right." Like, let's question this. Like, maybe I won't find the same answer as you at the end. But, like, let's look at it. I think I would really thank uh, my partner's patience and uh, communication. When we when we first met, I was 22. It was a long time ago, and I was a horrible communicator. <laughs> and, uh, and she's I, I was really good at talking. I wasn't very good at listening. And uh, she's really helped me become a better communicator and just a better human being. Just inspires me in a lot of different ways. And you guys have helped me with that too. Just furthering that journey through communication and learning how to communicate with people. So, Okay, can we, can we do one more? I don't know how much of this Well, I, I have one that I would really like to do. Uh, I know this might seem like the wrong holiday for it, uh, but I would specifically like to... Um, I would specifically like to talk about some unique things that I appreciate in my relationship with my mother, who is here. Uh, and, uh, and it's that... And it's something that's that's really unique uh, and amazing. I was thinking about this earlier today. Is that uh, I feel like my mother probably knows and has seen the formation of my personality and my life's journey in its whole more than anybody else in the world. Uh, And something that's so amazing and unique is that I feel like on the one hand there's this person who, you know, could very justifiably argue that she knows me better than almost anyone, but she's never tried to keep me as just that one type of person, and that every change along the way, whether it's polyamory, or whether it's doing polyamory publicly by talking about it on a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) right, or just changing my ideas about, about anything, about religion and all of that, that she's been willing to keep watching this instead of holding me to just like, nope, you can't change out of this one thing that I know you are. And that's uh, a really uh, amazing 
amazing and unique relationship that I can only have with you. And so I wanted to appreciate you for that. <laughs> I think I saw one more in yeah, the Yeah, there were, I think, two more. Yeah, okay. yeah. So two more. And yeah. Um, I really appreciate when my partner pushes me to do some things that I wouldn't normally do, like come to a podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, let's go do this. And it's something that I wouldn't normally think of doing on my own. She like helps it, and we almost always come back saying, like, that was really fun. It's really great. Oh, <laughs> and then there was one more over here, yeah. Um, I would say I really appreciate my partner, my, my primary partner being very supportive uh, when I was going through a rough spot with one of my other partners first mm. <laughs> taking care of me. Yeah. yeah. And he does all my cooking too. Yeah. No, it yeah, it is so wonderful to have um, I mean to have any kind of support network, really. Um, something that I've really enjoyed about about being non-monogamous specifically is that you get this very special support network that includes not only multiple partners but your partner's partners as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and that like that the the metamor relationship, the relationship with your partner's partners, mm-hmm. that's it's such a fascinating relationship because it's one that we don't really have a social script for a positive social script for. Mm-hmm. You know, the only script we have is in the context of cheating or, you know, the other woman or all these very negative stereotypes about it. Um, and it's, I, I honestly, I find it very sad that, like, not more people realize that that's an amazing relationship. It, really it can be such an amazing friendship. Sometimes it, it even blossoms into a romantic, you know, relationship and not always. Mm-hmm. But having that as a support network, honestly, even just having someone else to collaborate with on like planning your partner's birthday party or whatever, <laughs> you know, but being able to have someone like that is so unique and so amazing. And so it's, it's wonderful that you guys have that. Yeah, it is a really cool, unique relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so if you didn't get a chance to share your thing, all is not lost. Uh, <laughs> We're going to be hanging out afterward out mm-hmm. in the bar out here so you can still appreciate each other during that or, you know, in the whole rest of your lives. Uh, <laughs> Definitely do that. Be specific. <laughs> Let them know. But we did have one uh, piece of appreciation that we wanted to give as well, and that is to appreciate all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that every... God, like, uh, there's like, I don't even know where to start. First of all, first of all, to appreciate everybody who, who listens to this podcast, who yeah, tells us that this matters to them, that this is something worth doing, is huge. And then also to those of you who are here right now, today, that have decided to take part of your Valentine's Day to come hang out with us. Uh, and we just wanted to say that you are our Valentines. Uh, all of you. <laughs> and that. And that you are our ten-headed gorgon, <laughs> <laughs> or fifty-headed. Yeah, and that just like I, I really can't stress enough, like how much all of you mean to us. That you're here, that you support us doing this, uh, is is we like we all get emotional about it sometimes. But right. going from a few months ago saying, hey, let's do a tour and do this thing live that we normally just do in my bedroom <laughs> on some microphones. In, in front of some cats. Yeah. <laughs> they love right? it. And it's like, hey, let's, let's go and see if people would come out and see us do this. To yeah. go from that, like, fuck, how do we do this? To then having people help us put this together, help us market it, help us you know, tell people yeah. what's going on, and then also just showing up and being here mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and participating 
in in this is is just so amazing, and I yeah. cannot express it. It's been enough. overwhelming, and thank you all yeah. so much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, is it time to take it home? It's time to take, it, take home. it home. Okay, I think they're done. All there's right. A, there's this thing and that thing over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll Full I'll book. be more specific with my expression. Um, over there. <laughs> uh, I just published a book, my very first book, called "The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory." Um, it's 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 a one week old now. It's yeah yeah it's it's brand yeah. new in its infancy. It's Tuesday and. Um, yeah, you can pick up a copy here. I will be sitting around doing some signings if you're into that, mm-hmm. um, answering questions <laughs> about it. If you don't want to pick it up now, that's fine. You can order it on Amazon. You can waltz down to your local Barnes & Noble and pick it up there, and that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in learning more about us or listening to us some more, you mm-hmm. can find us online at multiamory.com. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, anywhere where fine podcasts are sold. But it's free. It's but free. It's free. Yeah. We won't make you pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have a mailing list sign up if you um, want to go over and see our roadie Paul. He has a clipboard where you can put your email address down um, if you want to be kept up to date about where we're going to be and when our next podcast is, things like that. And that whole setup is going to move out into the bar area. Yeah. Uh, so you guys can hang out. We're going to be here for a while. Please feel free to hang out, socialize, discuss more of these things, uh, get your book signed, all of that stuff. Um, we also want to give some special thank yous. Yes, so Paul, thank you. Uh, Paul has been my bedmate for like the last week, and he is wonderful at it. I love him so much. Um, and he's fabulous, and we really, really could not have done this without you. So thank you so, so much, Paul. Yes, mm-hmm. just picking up all those extra pieces that we yeah. keep dropping as we're Plus trying to do this Plus, he's absolutely thing. hilarious, and we yes. love him. Has um, kept us from killing each other yes. on, the, on the road. Exactly. Yes, uh, we would also like to thank my brother Josh uh, and Natalie, both of Yay. you, for helping us book some venues for this tour, including yeah. this one where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, seriously, that was so helpful to oh us because the idea of booking a tour is like, how the what? I don't know how <laughs> you do that. That's that. yeah. not, not something I ever learned. Yeah. So and thank you, Josh. Yes. Yeah. Um, and thank you to the rendezvous. You guys are amazing. And also tip your waiters and waitresses, please. Thank you. Um, and buy some more alcohol and buy some more food. Do it. It's going to be awesome. All right. Thank you all so much for coming. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Thank you, Seattle. Seattle. Woo! Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money.